Welcome to the Panine Halacha podcast. Zmanim, chapter 4, Yomat's Mood, as well as Yoma Yerushalayim and Yoma Zikaron. Section 5, Establishing Yomat's Mood as a Lasting Holiday. There is a mitzvah to establish a holiday, to rejoice and to praise God, on a day when Jews were delivered from distress. This is what prompted the sages to establish Purim and Hanukkah as everlasting holidays. Even though it's forbidden to add mitzvahs to the Torah, this mitzvah is an exception, for it is actually derived from a logical inference, a kol v'chomer. When we left Egypt and were delivered from slavery to freedom, God commanded us to celebrate Pesach and to sing praise to him every single year. All the more so we must celebrate Purim when we were saved from death to life. This teaching comes from the Talmud in Megillah. This is what the rabbis relied on when establishing Hanukkah as well. That idea comes from the Ritva, commenting there. The Chassim Sofer explains that since this mitzvah is derived from a kol v'chomer, a logical inference, it is considered a biblical commandment. However, the Torah obviously does not prescribe exactly how to make this holiday. Therefore, one who does anything to commemorate these great salvations fulfills their biblical obligation. It was the rabbis who determined specifically that we should read the Megillah, prepare a festive meal, send portions of food to others, and give charity to the poor on Purim, and as well to light the candles on Hanukkah. Many Jewish communities throughout the ages kept this mitzvah of instituting days of joy in commemoration of miracles that happened to them. Many of these communities use the name Purim in reference to these days, like the Frankfurt Purim and the Tiberius Purim that were commemorated in those communities. Some communities had a custom to even eat festive meals, send portions of food to one another, and give alms to the poor on these these days, much like on the original Purim holiday. Maharam al-Shakar, an Acharon, writes that the enactments made by these communities have binding force, obligating all of their descendants to keep them, even if they move to a new community. Other Achronim, like the Magen Avram and the Vilna Gon, agree. The great Gaon, Rabbi Meshulam Roth, writes in his responsa Kol Mavaser, quote, There is no doubt that we are commanded to rejoice, to establish a holiday, and to say Hallel on the 5th of Iyar, the day which the government, the members of the Knesset, who were chosen by the majority of the people, and most of the greatest rabbis, fixed as the day on which to celebrate throughout the land the miracle of our salvation and our freedom. To summarize, there is a mitzvah from the Torah itself to establish a holiday for rejoicing and praising God on days when Jews were delivered from distress. This is the basis for the sages' decision to create new holidays, like Hanukkah and Purim, and is the basis for various communal holidays, sort of mini-Purims, that were established over the ages. Given the many ways in which the Jews were delivered from distress on the 5th of Iyar 5708, we clearly now have a Torah-level commandment to create a holiday to mark this day and to praise God for it each and every year. Three notes from me. 
One on the kind of argument that the Panine Halacha here builds, another on how he somewhat needs to change his typical methodology, and a third from the footnotes. First, if you want to propose a new halacha, a new Jewish law or practice, you are going to want to show that it's actually quite old. That is, that your new idea is actually just an application of a pre-existing and very traditional practice. For example, consider not using a phone on Shabbos. It sounds like a new law. After all, they didn't have phones back at Sinai. But one presenting this halacha would argue that it's just an application it's just a new application of very old ideas. For example, don't write, don't make a fire, don't build a connection, etc. In fact, somebody trying to say that you can't use a phone on Shabbos would argue that not accepting your new idea would be deeply radical and would be untraditional. To not adopt the seemingly new practice would break our tradition and would break our connection to the past. So too here. The Panine Halacha is trying to show us that there's an obligation to celebrate a brand new holiday. But he argues that accepting this new holiday is actually the old and traditional thing to do, in that it applies to our time pre-existing halachas and traditions. Namely, the Torah has always told us to celebrate days when God saved us. So celebrating Yom Atzmut is actually the traditional move. Not celebrating Yom Atzmut would violate the Torah not celebrating Yom Azmut would be a violation of the tradition. That's the kind of argument that the Penina Halacha makes in this section, and I think he does it quite successfully. Second, the Penina Halacha relies quite heavily at the end of this section on Rav Meshulam Roth. In Hebrew, the last name is Ra'ata. Who is he? Absolutely a gadol, a giant in Torah learning. He was born in 1875 in Galicia and, and passed away in 1962 in Israel. He was recognized at age 13 as an Eloi, a child genius. And over his lifetime, he served as a Rosh Yeshiva and as a leading rabbinic judge. In the footnotes, the Penine Halacha quotes his master and teacher, Rev Svi Yehuda, as saying that when his father, Rev Cook, passed away, Rev Rath became the leading Torah authority of his generation. Still, it must, be, it must be said that this is not the typical style of the Panine Halacha, to choose one important halachic authority, quote him, and say, see, that's what you have to do. And as great as Rav Rath was, he did not function as the dominant halachic authority of his generation. Generally speaking, the Panine Halacha tries to present the mainstream or majority view on a halachic question. Here, though, that's not possible. A huge chunk of the Torah observant world and its halachic authorities do not recognize Yom Atzimut. And the Pnei Halacha believes that they are simply irrevocably wrong. So a different methodology is called for. He builds an argument going back to the core sources to prove his point. And then, after conceptually proving his point, he highlights a few great halachic authorities who took this point from the theoretical realm and moved it into the practical. He doesn't say, this is the mainstream thing to do. He says, this is the right thing to do, and here are those who have said so before me. Third, in the footnote about Rav Rath, the Pnei Halacha emphasizes that Rav Rath is speaking on behalf of many great rabbis of his generation. I'll quote from the footnote. Pay attention to Rabbi Meshulam Roth's reliable statement that Yom Atzmut was instituted by the majority of the greatest rabbis. 
Granted, they argued about reciting halal with a blessing, but the majority of the greatest rabbis all agreed on the basic obligation to give thanks and to rejoice. That's the end of the quote. The Penine Halacha here implies that if we see anything different today, that's because today's rabbis have changed. At the time of independence, the great majority could see just how amazing this miracle was. The Penine Halacha podcast provides English audio of Penine Halacha, an exceptional work of Halacha by Rav Eliezer Malamed Shlita. The English translation was overseen by Ellie Fisher and Corin Publishers. These texts are available for free online, and beautiful printed volumes are available for purchase. The summaries and reflections are from me, Ben Greenfield, rabbi of the Greenpoint Shul in New York City. I occasionally make subtle changes to the original translation, often for clarity, sometimes by mistake.